0: Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Gotta say, good job today oh. in the meeting that we had. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. A lot packed into that hour. Yep. And here we go. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah no. You're, you're doing the sandwich. You're going to start nope. off with something good. No. Nope. No, it's all good. Then you're going to hit I me back. nothing but compliments. No, nothing but compliments. All right. Go ahead then. The other thing I was going to say is... Mm-hmm. You know I like it when your hair is long, and mm-hmm. I, I love the extensions. That like that length right there with the extensions, perfect. Don't change a thing. Love it. Why are you lying? I don't I have extensions. Li- oh, it's, it's not a big deal. Why? <laughs> why, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong why, you, with you? why you get all defensive about it. Because you know, not No, no, no. You, no, no, you no, listen no, to me. No, 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 no.
1: Because now what's going to happen is okay. uh homeboy that you really like is going to go on Twitter.
0: I don't know who that is.
1: The guy that says men shouldn't have long hair to begin with.
0: Oh, Owen. Owen. Thank yeah. you, Thank you.
1: And now he's going to be like. Uh and here's a guy with extensions yeah it's well, an abomination i don't thing, have extensions
0: okay, it's, listen you're turning 40 next month yeah okay so it's understandable your hair is graying it's thinning and it's a normal thing first of all it's not to, thinning. It's, it's graying and thinning it's, it's okay. graying yeah, it's not you, thinning not with the extensions in it's fine it looks good i'm trying to say i like it good for you for taking control of your image what and uh, with you? i am just it looks it's a good length you cut it too short, you get like the bob, you look, you look like a Mexican Dutch boy. I don't like it Oh my gosh, it. you can't that's say you, that. That's what you look like. You're a Dutch boy haircut, but Mexican.
1: But I'm not Mexican.
0: No, but you look Mexican, do, don't you? No. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you look Mexican to white people? Well, just because you're you, ignorant. No, no. White? Do white people think that you're Mexican? Yes. Yes, so thank you very much. In okay. Canada, they think I'm First Nations. <laughs> you, do, you do adapt. You are a chameleon. In
1: Hawaii they gave me like resident discounts
0: no yeah you're an you're an ethnic chameleon you can yep. pass for everything but white
1: yeah that's pretty <laughs> much it that's pretty much it yeah in canada when i would because they get uh uh you can get gas at certain spots re- like near the reserves mm-hmm.
0: and they get like you mean reservation or reserve th- the reserves okay yeah what's the reserve Where the gas is, or res- is a reserve like oh what?
1: sorry like uh, we're first nations like their community okay so right? we call them
0: reservations here yeah, they so, call them reserves there got it
1: and there then uh they would sit there and be like, oh, give me your status card. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't have status. And they would just suit, oh, you forgot your card, and here's tax-free gas.
0: Nice. So you're stealing from the indigenous people. Where no. You yes, you did. I did you not. You took
1: somebody's spot. Well, you took their land. What do you want? Yeah, somebody had to do it. Somebody? First,
0: I didn't take any Canadian land. Just First Nations. I didn't. Here? Yeah. Well, that's different. That's totally different thing. I feel like this and banter not, I, I, derailed. Okay, it did. Listen, um we have a guest we have a guest on the podcast probably doesn't want to be on this podcast now that this all just uh, transpired well we'll see if she's still there olivia are you there
2: yes i'm here
0: olivia mead we're so excited to have you and talk about your new book ordinary faithfulness how your ordinary life reflects an extraordinary god thanks for being on
2: yeah, thank you. I'm bummed I can't see you guys after that exchange. I, I don't have a visual.
0: So. Yeah, you probably you probably don't want you don't need one. You really don't. But if but if you if you if you Google search if you if you Google search my name, um, many of the pictures are Jimmy. In fact, somebody sent me a screenshot of Google. <laughs> they typed in Joe Thorne, and your picture comes up because your identity doesn't exist without me, Jimmy. That's that's all what right, Google all right, shows all right, us. See, I,
1: mm-hmm. I, it's probably true. Actually, just no, no, it's like no.
0: oh, my online presence <laughs> is has been curated Mm. to you (laughs) so uh olivia was uh you were born and raised in west virginia right yes
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, would you say that you are an appalachian girl
2: yes i would say that i'm an appalachian girl
0: yeah well that shows you how how ignorant i am appalachian (laughs) girl okay Mm -hmm. yeah
2: nice try
0: okay so now uh you were born there raised there and you got your master's degree in business admin right yes
2: i do
0: now uh what did you do with that? You worked like non nonprofits or something, I think.
2: Yeah, so I spent um, quite a few years working for a local nonprofit here in the town that I live in, Huntington. Oh. Um, working primarily with uh, vulnerable women and children as it relates to the opioid crisis. So I spent a lot of really good years doing nonprofit work that was really, you know, beneficial like to the community, but then also just such a learning experience for me, not just with my like, business background, but just in life, you know, seeing seeing all the things that I saw and was able to work with a lot of the women, so it was really an incredible experience working in that environment.
0: Awesome, and you're married uh, to Matt, you got a couple of daughters, right?
2: Mm-hmm, yep, married to Matt, two little girls, um, three and a half and one and a half, so living very the dream, busy living the dream. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I, I noticed that, uh, one is named after a cartoon character and one is named after a bird? Is
2: that right? I mean, I guess you could say that.
0: Daphne and Wren? So,
2: yes, Daphne and Wren. So <laughs> Daphne was not named after the cartoon character. Really? But oh, there well... There is a character that carries the name.
0: Okay, all right. And Wren, I love that. I, I don't think I've met anybody named Wren.
2: Oh, well, yeah, we love it too.
0: That's really cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, why you wrote this book? I mean, um, you know, lots of people write books that... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because they want to make money, and then they realize, oh, mm-hmm. you don't make money writing books, <laughs> unless you're Francis Chan right. or somebody like that. Um, right. But people have different motives and reasons. Why Why did you write this thing?
2: Yeah, so I think initially it came from, um, you know, the content and the things that I wrote about are things that I needed to hear for myself. And I needed to learn um, learn in my own life things that I've either experienced in the past or that I'm currently experiencing and trying to grow through. So initially that's where like the, the content and the things I wanted to write about, that's, that's what drove that. Um, and then the reason to write it, to publish it, to put it out there is really just to primarily edify our church. Mm -hmm. Um, the women of our church in particular, who I am just so passionate about serving. And so, um, you know I, I just wanted to to reach them in a way that would be beneficial and then also you know maybe go out to a little bit more of a broader audience in order to to do so as well but um you know the goal for me of course is is never um i never anticipated like hey i'm going to this is going to be a full time gig i'm mm-hmm. going to make a bunch of money on writing a book um you know i actually i never had that goal and i think that it's you know it's clearly probably not going to happen um, but I'm super excited for the people who are reading it because, um, it's very vulnerable to put, I don't know about yeah. you guys, mm-hmm. like if you feel this way, but, um, to put a lot of your, not even just personal stories, but just your writing or yeah. your, whatever it is that you're putting out there, a podcast or, um, anything it is, it's, it's vulnerable to put that out there. And it's it's good and and helpful and i've prayed through it to know that like this is something that i i hope can encourage people Mm. um but it's hard too so um you know a little bit of that like second guessing things has been hard um but also hearing people who've read the book and been encouraged by it is just such a blessing to me and that's um you know that's really the goal for me in putting it out there
1: and you know you write in the book and i think um it's really helpful for, for others that, uh, are considering, uh, and they should pick up this book. Uh, you write, uh, the book is designed to walk through three main themes, worship, discipleship, and mission. And you write, we often talk of these things in the context of the church service and setting, but I want to explore how they are found in the everyday moments of life. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. The, the, uh, the direction of like this practical theology, how, yeah. how is my doctrine and what I believe Impacting and influencing and actually being carried out in everyday context. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think what I found um, with a lot of just the people that you know that I'm friends with that we go to church with and who are really in our our you know direct line of influence, I guess you could say here, um, is you know the the deep theological um, like applic- application type things are important and necessary, but Mm -hmm. it's not accessible to everyone. And I don't think it has to be in a way. I think that um, we should all kind of seek that growth, but how do we, you know, how we apply it to like what's happening in our everyday lives, I think it's just essential for us as Christians.
0: One of the things that I, I appreciated about the book, and there are a lot, because we do recommend the book um, only to women, though, because men can't read books written by women. That's, uh, I've <laughs> well, learned that on Twitter.
1: Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, Piper. Only Pope, the two of you. Yeah,
0: Pope Piper has said we're not. Popper. Popper. Yeah. The Popper has said no. Yeah. So uh, can't be a cop. Can't write books for men. Um, what I like is that there there tends to be in, in, in and I think in our estimation um, the two the two traps right that people fall into, and one is they they sort of default to the local church for everything, right? Their whole, the whole of their spiritual life is in the assembly. It's on Sunday morning or it's in their Sunday school or their small group or their formal ministry. And all of it's there. Um, and much of it is supposed to be there, but all of it can't be there. Mm-hmm. And then the other is like a lot of people that are either deconverting or deconstructing or whatever, or maybe they've just been hurt. And so they distance themselves from the local church and they think, I don't need the local church. Yeah. All I need is me and Jesus. Mm. And in your book, you're you're emphasizing the need for our faith to be reflected in the ordinary aspects of life, but you clearly Um, show the value of the local church. You're just trying to show, as as far as I've read your book, you're trying to show, like, listen, the church is important, it's great, but if it doesn't go beyond those particular gatherings and assembly, and if your faith isn't being worked out in terms of, you know, worship, discipleship, and mission in your everyday life, then you're missing out on really the bulk of what the life of faith is supposed to be. Mm
2: Yeah. I think, too, you know, we find this – I don't know this disconnect between the hour and a half to two hours that we spend together on Sunday morning every week, and then the rest of our days, you know, the mm-hmm. rest of our week. Mm-hmm. So, if we are, you know, gathering together as a church in worship, um, what does that look like for us? Like, what it, when we hear the word worship, many of us are going to immediately think of our time spent together on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Singing some songs, maybe raising a hand here and there, reciting oh. some things together, um, and you know that's that's wonderful. That's how we spend. Uh, we should spend our time in our assembly together. But you know what I really try to go off of is like, well, what what can I find in scripture that that is is informing my view of worship? So not just my worship or worship as it pertains to singing the songs together or gathering together, but it has to have a further implication, right? Like our lives are not just that hour and a half on Sundays. We have so much more time that we spend with other people and even with other Christians or non-Christians, mm-hmm. how does worship in, influence that? And so, you know, in looking particularly, I, I've tried to focus on Romans 12 and in 12.1, Paul writes that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And then that living sacrifice is our spiritual worship. So, our worship, you know, together as corporately as um, the church, that is focused in a way on sacrifice. So, the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, but in our lives, as we're we're walking in worship on a Monday or a random Tuesday, that's focused a bit on sacrifice as well. Because if we're chasing our comfort, and I can speak, you know, for me um, in particular, if I'm chasing what's going to make me comfortable and without any sacrifice, without any challenge, then I'm probably not walking in worship to the Lord. I'm, I'm more so walking in worship to myself and yeah. my own comfort. And so that was a lesson I, a lesson I had to learn, you know, for myself. Um, and it really informed the way that I see worship just on a broad scale in general.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about that, because one of the most important words in your book is the word ordinary. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, in the Reformed tradition, that is an important word. We talk about the ordinary means of grace. We talk about the ordinary Christian life. Now, you know, there are, and I'm not trying to call people out, but guys like David Platt and Francis Chan have sort of, you know, worked at, at making the charge that you're not supposed to live an ordinary life you're supposed to live a mm. dramatic um, uh, intense life an extreme life and there's a sense in which the ordinary life of faith is extreme in that it's lived for the glory of God in that we submit ourselves to his rule not the not the rules of the world but we believe in the ordinary means of grace and the value of living out our vocation simply, um, as followers of Christ. And so you talk about ordinary worship and ordinary discipleship and ordinary mission. Can you just put a finer point maybe on, on like this aspect of worship? And you've been talking about that, formal worship versus ordinary worship. What, what do you mean by ordinary worship?
2: Yeah, so ordinary worship is you know primarily found in the moments of our days that are either unwarranted um, mundane, unseen. I think for me, I found it most, um, in just serving my kids. Like, that's the season that I'm in. I'm a mom of two little girls who require a lot from me, like both mentally and physically. They're, they're very needy, those little, um, little girls of mine. So I found that for me, the ordinary worship that I display in my life is centered on the way that I, on a Monday morning, I get up um i make them breakfast i attend to their needs we do you know whatever it is we need to do go where we need to go you know i'm spending a lot of my day focused on them which is a sacrifice in a way for me Mm -hmm. because i'm not doing the things that i used to do or that i want to do or that even good things so you know my time spent reading my bible i'm not doing that two hours a day because that's just not that that's i can't do that every day um, So even good things, like good things that I might want to do or seek to do or used to do, I am not always able to do. And so how can I, you know, in, in worship, how am I reframing that? That sacrifice is not being a hindrance, mm-hmm. but being something that actually catalyzes glorifying God. So how can I glorify God when I'm making breakfast for the upkeep time on a Monday morning when I'd really rather be doing X, Y, Z? Um, how do I glorify God in that? Well, it's focusing on there are people that have been placed in my life who I have the opportunity to serve. And in my service to them, in my sacrifice, in a way, I'm able to worship the Lord and not just thank him for the people that he's given me or the things, you know, the, the quote unquote blessings that I may have walking around in my life. Um, but really, I'm able to to die a little to myself. Mm-hmm. in order to serve others. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can find ways to do that, and it doesn't, you know, my example is for my kids because that's who who I'm around all day, mm-hmm. you know, but your example could be your work. It could be your neighbors. You know, I have a friend who's caring for her um, elderly grandparents and it's taking a lot of time and it's taking her away from a lot of things that she has loved and is passionate about doing, but she's caring for her elderly grandparents because she has to do that. And so, in that, that is her spiritual worship on a Wednesday night when she'd rather be going to this, um, you know, hanging out with friends or maybe going out to dinner with someone she's going to put her grandparents to bed. Hmm. Um, And that is, that's our worship. You know, that is how we, we can and do glorify God and being faithful to these opportunities to die a little to ourselves and to serve somebody else.
1: And what I love about, like when you talk about like this, this, Beauty in the ordinary, right? I mean, uh, I think of uh, immediately as we're talking, I'm thinking of, uh, I love The Office, sorry. <laughs> Come on, every yeah. episode, bro. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen, season finale, right? Uh, Pam Beasley like really kind of uh, help her at that point. She kind of hits and, and summarizes, the office itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like how is that you came to this paper company and you filmed us and you created, like you showed all the best, right? And she's like, there's the iconic line of there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that the point? And I think really what you're hitting on here is these things that we sometimes cast aside as mundane. Mm -hmm. There is, there is a beautiful aspect of worship in the midst of that in a lifelong disciple
0: let me just say that was the best office reference you've ever made
1: uh, first of all it's not i've had a lot of great no no ones. no
0: i'm not saying the other ones are bad though they are that's the that's a really good one that was mm. it I'll, i'm giving you props do i ever give you props for office references never here i'm saying that's really good never really good any conference any conference any sermon okay oh i just gave you props on your sermons everything man everything looks good man your notes oh, look good oh, well, thanks so what are some things that you, you find in your life, and as you're ministering to other people, what are some things that hinder us from ordinary worship? I feel like uh, diagnosing what hinders us from corporate worship is easier because, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's easy distractions, oh, my, mm-hmm. whatever, busyness of the day. And by the way, I, I, I love how you talked about preparing. For corporate, you have a section in there of preparing for corporate mm-hmm. worship and how you used to think about it yeah. and how you started to think about it. Maybe we could talk about that in a minute because I thought that was really good. But in terms of ordinary worship, what are some things that you think hinder us from engaging in worship in the ordinary every day?
2: Um, I think often we, for one, we don't recognize you know the things that we're doing as an opportunity to worship. So when we're when we see our lives as just like a checklist, of, and I love a good checklist, so I'm not hating on checklists but when we see our days as, you know, this is what I have to do today and then tomorrow and then the next day and I'm going to work, check, I'm making dinner, check, I've got to take this to the post office, check, whatever it may be. Those super ordinary, regular things that we're doing, um, there's little opportunities in there to redeem that um, and, you know, even to redeem the time around that. So I think first, we don't recognize the opportunity that we already have and the things that we're already doing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, I don't have to block out the two hours of, you know, in my day to read my Bible that that's like, I would love to be able to do that every single day. But if I don't have that, I still have an opportunity to spend time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be two hours of quiet time from 6am to 8am or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, the prescription is out there that, is like, this is how you do it. No, I can still spend time with the Lord as I'm driving to, you know, Bible study on a Wednesday night, whatever it might be. So I think recognizing that for one and then, excuse me, for two, um, I think often, and and, you know, I'll speak for myself because it's something that I kind of touched on, but I've had to learn for myself is this idea of chasing my own comfort. Um, rather than maybe walking in the hard things of of sacrificing part of my life. So would I rather spend my day doing something else? Or would I rather focus my attention on something that is going to bring me comfort, or bring me um, happiness, or make me feel good, or whatever it might be? Um, Do I want to spend time doing those things? Of course. Would I rather choose that? Often I would rather choose that than choose, the hard things of our life, or even the mundane things of life that you know don't like spark joy, as they say. Mm. Um, but you know, when we when we are walking in those hard things, we're we're choosing something other than ourselves, and and that's kind of like what I what I was trying to write about in the book about idolatry, um, primarily this idolatry of self that we have, um, in order to chase after our own. Our own comfort, our own worship, really, rather than sacrificing and worshiping the Lord. Um, I think it's, you know, it's much easier to choose that. But once we recognize, um, the way of Jesus is not choosing comfort. And so that, that's not the way of his followers either. Hmm. You know, we find more joy in the sacrifice really than we do in the comfort.
0: One of the things that um, my wife has said a lot of very wise things to me over the years. Um, A lot of it's usually just no. She has said a lot of no's. There's been a lot of don't do that. That's dumb. Um, You know, I wish she said no uh, before I got my nipples pierced in seminary. That would have been, that would have, instead she was like, oh, that looks cool on that rock star. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll be right back. And then. I came back and she's like, oh yeah, okay. Well, you're not a rock star. You're a Chubby seminary student. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing, bro. Anyway. Um one of the things that she said, and it's really stuck with me, it had a huge mm. impact on me. She and she was talking to women at the time, uh uh when she was, you know, she was teaching or lecturing somewhere and or preaching. And she said, you know, it was like Ephesians two ten. Um We are created in Christ Jesus uh, to basically walk in the good works that God prepared beforehand. Mm -hmm. And she said, we we tend to think of good works as like reading the Bible or praying or worshiping or maybe forgiving somebody who sinned against us. But she said, my good works are laundry right now in this season that's one of my good works like my good works are you know making sure that the kids are ready for school because my husband has to be gone at that point of the day Mm -hmm. and so it it wasn't like this is what every woman needs to do she was saying listen look at the things that god has given you to do in the ordinary to use your words and uh those are your good works like it's 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 the everyday responsibilities that God has given you that when you do those in faith you bring glory to God and that's a lot of what you're talking about here.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we okay. all have those things. No, sorry, I was just gonna just to that's wonderful what she said because um, it's true. Like we all have things, whether it's laundry or the dishes or whatever it may be. Um, we don't have to find something to do. We all have mm. something to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just redeeming that whatever it is, fill in the blank, in order, you know, to do that good work.
1: So when we're looking, then you know, we've been talking about kind of like worship and and uh, the act of worship and the sacrifice. Let's let's move into discipleship then, because you know it's mm-hmm. it's the disciple that that programs what programs <laughs> we gonna classes classes we yeah. need more discipleship classes. I and like programs. classes. Classes are
0: good. Are you saying glasses or classes? Both both yeah, I like, they're, classes they're, with glasses classes with glass yeah with i that. want a glass you with know, class oh that you you and i don't have any class no no <laughs> like that kind no. Of class
1: <laughs> so when we're talking about discipleship I, let's try to narrow this down then what is the aim of discipleship fundamentally
2: yeah so i mean our aim whether it be in a class or whether it be you know with people in your life is is you know what i've found to be i could give like a biblical answer and of course, that's never going to be wrong. But what I've found to be true in my life is just coming alongside people and not just encouraging them, not just teaching them, but being with them in a way that um, helps them to grow in their knowledge of the Lord, whether that be scripture, whether that be applying it to their lives, and to go on to make more disciples. So like, how, how am I discipling people around me? Is it that I'm just reading a book with them mm. or teaching them a certain portion of scripture, like, hey, here's what this means. You know, that's usually, that's that's not always helpful. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it can be, but more so it's opening up and being available, opening our lives and being available to see, you know, here's maybe some things that I've learned Mm -hmm. and I've done right. Here's some things I'm still learning in and I've failed at. um, And I'm available to you in all of that so that we can walk alongside one another and seek Jesus better together um you know i love like you guys are mentioning classes and glasses i like both of those um i love classes like i i we have a women's bible study class at our church that i am just Every like every meeting, I'm so excited because mm. I love it so much.
0: I know because um, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't record with us because you had a <laughs> your precious class that you had to do. I know.
2: I'm, I'm sorry, I had to blow you guys off. Don't the class, you keep
0: prioritizing but, your local church over us. I
3: don't understand. How
2: how dare I? How Dare you? <laughs> I know. I know. Shout out to the ladies in my class. I love y'all. <laughs> um, but no, you know, like that's it's so important to have those avenues. And mm. in the book, I made that distinction between organized discipleship and ordinary discipleship mm. and how like yep. the goal is the same thing is that we're growing and um, we're learning and we're able to to let you know like walk a little further you could say mm. and do that together but it's done in different ways and it's it's kind of the same concept as the worship so like worship where you know we're in church we're um, worshiping corporately together and then how does it look in our lives it's the same with discipleship so we could have a class and we can learn together and have you know a wonderful time and do our homework and all those things. But what does that look like in our lives with the people you know who are present in our lives mm. as well? So how do we disciple those who are not coming to our Bible study class? You know, how do you disciple your kids? How do you disciple your neighbors? You know, whoever it is that's in your life, um, what does discipleship look like for them? And so. You know, talking about the ordinary ways we disciple people, it's more about opening our lives, being available and being, you know, being not just an example of like, here's how to do things, but maybe here's how to fail and get back up and repent. And, and learn and move on. Um, I think that's just as important as, as, you know, trying to teach someone, well, like, maybe this is the best way to do it. Hmm.
1: And what I love is as you talk about discipleship and, and, and how you broke it down, right, into almost this formal or informal or formal and ordinary um, and how it takes intentionality to do it. It takes yeah. sacrifice and transparency to do it. And so it, it comes it, it does take coming alongside people, and opening up your life with them. I mean, I, we, you know, the, the phrase is, I think we all, well, not I shouldn't say we all, Joey really hates it.
0: We're I hate doing, everything.
1: We're doing life together. You know? I barely do my own life. How am I, I going to do, do
0: it together with somebody else? I really
1: <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's there is an aspect to it, right? Of like, mm. we're, we are discipling. We're being discipled together. Proximity, right? Proximity, proximity yeah. is a necessary mm-hmm. part of discipleship.
0: You actually yeah. have to be in one another's lives.
1: Which is why, as you're hitting here, like the local assembly, and mm. like why it's important for you to not uh, neglect your time with the ladies there, because that's important. Yes. And that's why, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the people that God has has put around us, I mean, is is really crucial, you know, and, and we've kind of lost sight in the church because we look towards these other people, like like a a MacArthur or mm. a Driscoll, mm. <laughs> can you pick I'm, a good one? No, I'm picking oh. all the ones I did. A <laughs> uh, Piper, oh, <laughs> a Chandler. Oh, okay, Chandler's all right. All
0: right, be like Okay, fine. He did.
1: Okay, uh, Keller. Right. Oh, Dever. <laughs> Dever's just, good. I like Dever. All right. Lawson. Yeah, Lawson's good. There you all go, right. all right? We look in uh, a thorn, you know? Yeah. Like we look towards, and, and these are the ones that, you know, uh, oftentimes people try to prioritize them. Right. Rather than, because it's
0: easy. It's easy. because you think they, that, well, they're the experts. Well, they're they're the going to have the bigger impact in discipleship. But they
1: don't see what's actually really going on. Right. They're not, uh, you, can't, you can you fake whatever you want with them, mm-hmm. you know, and you can lie to yourself. You don't even and, have to. You don't even have to. Because they're not there. Yeah, But in the local assembly, with those around you in proximity, it is much more real, yeah, and, and and you know it's 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 ordinary.
0: Hey, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you something, Olivia. Oh, I'm not mm-hmm. calling you a blasphemer. Oh, oh, but, here we go.
1: Oh, I know where we're going. But okay. you, of course you do,
0: yeah, because she said okay. this thing. Yeah, she, you said the thing. You said Jesus was terrible, and in your book, and um, no. I, you did. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity okay. to All explain right. why you think Jesus is so terrible. No, no, I. That's not fair. That's well, a misquote. That's a misquote. I'm not misquoting. You're misquoting. I am quoting. No, no, no. She did say use the word terrible. You, that's you, not you're, misquoting. no, no.
1: She said that Jesus was a terrible you're influencer. Terrible. Terrible. No, no, Terrible terrible. Terrible
2: terrible. Influence. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible.
0: No, I actually really like this and I like it. I don't like it because it's provocative, though it is. I like it because it's true. You said Jesus was a terrible influencer. Now you put this in the context of discipleship and then you explained what influencers are. Could you unpack that a little bit? Why was Jesus a terrible influencer by influencer by today's standards?
2: Yeah. So, I um Jesus was a terrible influencer in in defining influence or influencer. I think what most of us um, you know, in our culture today could like apply to being an influencer is someone who has this grand scale influence. So social media, for example, they mm-hmm. have hundreds of thousands of followers and they're producing content every day, every few hours to put out there and be consumed. Um, and they have this grand scale of people who are either listening to them, following them, not just on social media, but I think that's a really easy mm-hmm. easy thing for us to think of because right. most of us have experience with interacting with people who um, are a quote- unquote influencer. Um, it's such an, I mean, it's an industry. It's a huge Mm. industry. And there, I think there are many people who may use that for good or who do use that for good. I'm not saying I'd like, there are are people who I don't know who are influencers who I interact with their content and I enjoy it. But I think that that's a, a a really um, it's become this idea that, that we have to have that, or we have to, in order to have any sort of influence on people, that I have to have 200,000 people following me on Instagram Mm. and like watching my Instagram stories and clicking this link to buy this product when really that's that's a shallow influence. Um, And when I apply that to to Jesus, so saying that Jesus was a terrible influencer, if you look at and and read um, in the Gospels of just the life and ministry of Jesus, he often like his, his most sincere um, and delicate moments were, were reserved for a small group of people, yeah. you know, and, and even some of his, um, like a lot of his teachings, you know, he, he would teach in parables and many wouldn't understand. And he was asked, you know, like, aren't, aren't you going to explain it to them? And Jesus says, I'll explain it to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, in talking to his disciples. And so he explains it to a small group of people. And I think that's really important for us to remember that, of course, Jesus um, is, you know, is and has um, a grand scale of influence. But when you look at his life and his ministry, that wasn't exactly the goal. Um, You know, he engaged with crowds and served all people in a way um, in his ministry and like healing people and those things. But um, that wasn't. That was never, um, you know, the goal in what he was doing, I guess. Mm. I, I hope that I'm explaining that no, in, a, totally. in an appropriate way. Totally.
0: Um, Jesus, listen, you, you want to know how bad <laughs> of an influencer Jesus was? In John 6, mm-hmm. he starts dropping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus starts dropping really hard truths, like hard <laughs> truths. Like, uh, you can't come to me. You mm-hmm. you can't unless the Father draws you. And then it says... and pretty much like most of his disciples stopped following him. Mm -hmm. Like they they, they were like, we can't handle this. He he was not a good influencer by today's standards. I think you're absolutely right, but you were making the point that this should help us to understand how we think about our influence. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about my influence, is it most valuable for me to try to reach random people that I don't know on the internet or is it more valuable for me to reach the people in my life? So, uh, my kids, my friends, the um, you know brothers and sisters in my local church, um, the people who I actually have a direct influence on and can um, be part of their lives. Hmm. Like, is it more valuable for me to spend my time and energy and focus on them, or is it, would it be more valuable for me to spend my time and focus and energy on people who I don't know? Or who don't have anything to do with my life, they can't see my fruit. They can't. They don't know if what I'm saying is, you know, really um, true of my life or not. But mm-hmm. the people who come to my small group, you know, they are going to know if what I'm saying is true of my life or not because they see the way that I put my kids to bed, right. or they see the way that you know I have dirty dishes in my sink every time they come over, and Ew, they don't care. Gross. You know, I know. I know.
0: Joey, listen. That's really- <laughs> listen Southern <laughs> Seminary used to have a class on on how women need to keep their homes super tidy and be ready at a a moment's notice to have a perfect looking home. I was there.
2: That sounds, that sounds like a great class. (laughs) I mean, good for them.
0: It's, you know, it's, it's, it's important to be available, but it's also important to have a spotless kitchen. That's what the, I think that was the message at the (laughs) time. That was the the message at the time. (laughs) So
1: Olivia, where can people get your book?
2: it's on Amazon. Oh, you can find it on oh. Amazon. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a real book.
2: Um, yeah, Joey's you know, book's not even it on is. Amazon.
0: I can't even get half of my books on Amazon. So I don't know. <laughs> well, oh, But let me say, I love the size. Size of the book is nice. Thank you. Because people... Like the, Some of the best books I've read, not just my own, um, are small <laughs> books like The uh, Golden Booklet of the Tr- Christian Life by Calvin, Pulled Out of the Institutes, uh, Words to Winners of Soul, Art of Man Fishing by Thomas Boston. Some of the greatest books mm. are small mm. and readable, mm. but packed with truth. Yours is one of those books. So oh, thank you.
2: That they can was get, very intentional.
0: Then get it on Amazon. Amazon's yes. good. All right, cool. And um, can how do people follow you on social media? Do you want people to follow you on social media? I know you're anti-platform. I just
2: blasted blasted influencers. But no, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Olivia P. Mead, or um, Instagram, Olivia P. Mead.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Um, Your book is real. It's good. It's worth reading. It's more real than Jimmy's extensions, that's for sure. (laughs) And um, I'm I'm grateful for it. And uh, I'm going to be passing it on to my wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be encouraging our ladies to be reading this book as well.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on
1: Instagram and Twitter, at Doc and Devo, or on Facebook, slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, doctrineanddevotion.com. you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit the store joefostore.com and grab some gear we got that fresh pot every monday and thursday we got blog posts and video content over at the website and we've got that all access exclusive content we got banter truth on tuesdays and weekday wisdom monday through friday head on over to doctrineanddevotioncom and slash all access to sign up today later